Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Deeper Daily Podcast for the fourth day of May. I'm your host, Paul White. Thanks for joining me today as we begin the actual text today of 1 Timothy. I read a couple of verses yesterday, but really the last few days we've simply introduced this book. I've tried to lay out out the author, the timing, the characteristics, the themes, some of the difficulties we have in interpretation in this this letter. I'm gonna let's put all that in the rearview mirror now. We don't have to circle back to all of those things, although we might brush up against them here and there. I, I want to do now what is one of my favorite things to do in Bible study, and that's really walk through a text verse by verse. And it's not everyone's style, and I'm not saying it's it should be. I'm not even saying it should be anyone else's style. It's not the only way to teach. It's the way I prefer. It's the way I like to do it, particularly when I find myself in trouble or I find myself not knowing what to do next in a text. I found that if I can work the context a little bit, I can usually find a place for my foot to step. So let's just start from the top, read a couple of verses, and then we'll bring out a few things as we start to work our way in. Paul, and I'm going to read from the I'm going to read from the NRSV for most of this time, although um, you know, I move around. I, I don't. I'm not married to a single translation. I don't. I think every interpretation is a. I think every translation is an interpretation, and so it doesn't matter what translation you're using. There's an interpretive device um, that that translator used, and so that's why we keep going back to the Greek or back to the Hebrew, and even then. We say, mm, how do you interpret this even through the lens of Greek or Hebrew? So Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope, to Timothy, my loyal child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Now let me tell you something that I don't, I don't want to do as I go through this. I'm not trying to exhaust things. I never have, I've never liked to teach that way to where you just squeeze every ounce out of it. I I remember years ago when I was on the radio and I would do a daily program and then I would do a weekend program and I've done everything from 15 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day, an hour a day. I even would special sometimes buy two hour blocks and do radio. So I've been on the radio even longer. I had been in my life longer than I've even been on podcasting. And I remember listening to a local guy years ago, and he had a little five-minute pod radio show. And every day, he would he was working his way through one of the Gospels, and every day he would talk about the Greek word, the next word in the verse. And I remember it was so dull, <laughs> it was so boring. And I would listen almost in a morbid fascination because it would literally be like, you would read the verse and then go, today we're going to look at the Greek for the word the in this verse. And then would say what it meant and then give some concordance references how many times it was used. And it was like listening to an audible version of Strong's Concordance. And I thought, I don't know the best way to teach the Bible, but I'm pretty sure that isn't it. So the last thing I want to do is work to death verses until there's no life in them because they're supposed to have life. But I do like to bring out things that I've often overlooked. And I think that if I can do that, then I stay engaged. I've also found that if the host is engaged, then the audience is at least somewhat engaged. It's going to be almost impossible for you to be excited about something I'm bored with. 
because I'm going to project that boredom or project that lack of interest. Hey, can I give you a little preacher secret? Some of the reasons why a lot, hmm, let me word this better. One of the reasons why, one of the reasons, not the only reason, one of the reasons why some preaching strikes us as very boring is the speaker isn't engaged in what they're teaching. They're bored by it. Therefore, we're bored by it. It, It's not universal. I didn't say that's the only reason. That's one reason. How do I avoid boredom in the text? One, I go into the text that I feel flagged in my spirit. I don't just run through the Bible 66 books left to right because I'm going to come across stuff and go, oh, I don't want to do this. We're going to be on this for three months. Okay, I don't do that. I wait until there's some sort of flag that runs up the flagpole of my spirit, sort of flutters in the spiritual breeze and goes, hey, talk about me for a little while. Uh, and I, I pick and choose. So if I'm going through a passage and I just, I'm, I'm, it's dull and boring, um, we move on. What I do try to do in these verse by verses through the, these books is at least read the verse and comment and give you what I have. Let me point something out to you that strikes me in verse 1 that I don't ever preach, that I think would be worth talking about. Let me reread it. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope. How many times have you ever heard it referred to, this duality, God is your Savior, Jesus is your hope. Paul introduces his salutation to Timothy. He calls himself an apostle. That's simple. That's someone sent out as an official representative of Christ. Paul calls himself this a lot. No one would argue with him. By the command of God, our Savior, and Jesus, our hope. I've never preached it that way. Not once. I don't think once in my life have I called God our Savior. I call Jesus our Savior because I look at what Christ did for us as saving us from ourselves, from hell, from our sins, from whatever. The power of the devil. So therefore, Jesus is Savior. But it's an interesting phrase to call God our Savior and Jesus Christ our hope. Again, I have no problem with Jesus Christ as our hope, but God as our Savior? Why? I think because God is the author of the covenant of grace. And and by the way, this isn't the last time Paul does this. He does it two more times in 1 Timothy, chapter 2 and chapter 4. He does it three times in the book of Titus. He calls God our Savior. And so why? Because God authors the covenant of grace that we are in. Thus, as much as we theologically place Christ in a position of our Savior, it is God's covenant with the Son that saves the world. Therefore, Christ becomes the hope because Christ is the mediator of the covenant that God designed. And so you could say, God writes the covenant, thus becomes the Savior. Christ mediates the covenant, thus becomes the hope for whatever the covenant says. All right, we move on tomorrow. I'll see you then. God bless.